live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon and happy Monday, November 7th, the year 2022. I hope you had a fabulous weekend. You did if you were an LSU Tiger fan. You didn't if you were a Raging Cajun fan. You did if you were a McNeese Cowboy fan. And hopefully all Saints fans will be able to celebrate tonight. We have a lot, lot, a lot in store for you and yours with guest lists galore as we recap everything here today for the next two hours. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 104.1 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you have a television set in the Acadiana area, pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Been going to games in Tiger Stadium for many, many, many years. I've seen some incredible, incredible wins. The earthquake game, upsetting number one ranked Florida. That 2019 unbelievable season of seasons. I've seen, I've seen it all. Nothing, nothing, nothing compared to Saturday night in Death Valley. It was special. It was a four-hour advertisement for Saturday night in Tiger Stadium at its very, very best, and its very, very loudest. A top 25 matchup against a bitter rival with championship implications, national television scene. I mean, a fan base that believed... A team that gave the fan base something to believe, and it was raucous and uproarious from kickoff till well beyond a two-point conversion to win it in overtime. It was amazing. Nothing but amazing. Best game I've ever seen in that building. It was just uh, what started out to be like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a miserable day. The rain stopped, the sun came out, temps were down, and LSU performed. They just performed. And uh, Brian Kelly and his staff had that team ready to go. You're never going to blow Alabama out. It just doesn't happen. That other guy across the way is too good, but LSU was better today, much better. And we'll deal all into that here shortly. But now LSU has to face another type of obstacle. As loud and as rambunctious and as unbelievable as that scene was all night long. Now they have to go to Fayetteville. They're going to play at 11 o'clock in the morning. Not nearly going to be as loud. It's not even going to be close to that. 
Arkansas coming off a loss to Liberty. Liberty's no 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 nothing to sneeze about. Okay, they're a pretty good football team. Arkansas beat LSU a year ago, but you see, it's the man on LSU's sideline. He said he had a press conference today, as he does each and every Monday, and this is my biggest takeaway, and this is why I believe in this LSU team because of what the head coach had to say today. Listen. I've never bought into that because I think if it's a, if it's a track, trap game, you have not done a very good job with your football team. In January and February, for example, January, February, March, we did not train indoors. We trained outdoors. So weather's not going to be a factor. We've been outside in 50-degree, 40-degree weather. Um, they know that um, you know Arkansas is an SEC opponent that beat them last year. Um, so, look, it, your thoughts affect you know your actions, right? That affect your physiological response. So, we've been we've been working on how we think since day one, and um, it becomes a trap game if you're not thinking right. And we'll get our guys thinking the right way, and we'll prepare the right way. And this is about a consistency. If they want to be a consistent program, they'll think the right way about this game. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? Temperature is supposed to be in the 30s. Welcome to Fayetteville in November. No big deal. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, the Saints play tonight. We'll have a preview of that. We'll go over a tough, tough loss that the Cajuns had against Troy. Had a big lead. Let it slither away. They have no time to rest because they have to play again on Thursday night at Cajun Field, the the, the, the regular season home finale. And uh, McNeese gets a big win. We'll talk about that one as well. Uh, through all of the, the mayhem, Georgia's still the best team in college football. They uh, took care of number one Tennessee, 27 to 13. I said Friday I wanted Bedlam in college football. Well, LSU beat Alabama. Their chances of getting to the playoffs are, I mean, life support at best. A lot of things have to happen in their favor for that to happen. Clemson goes into South Bend, Indiana and gets blown out by the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. See you, Dabo. See you. So with three quarters of the way through the season, um, there's still a bunch of candidates who can claim a playoff spot. And college football's most distinguished individual award, the Heisman, well, that race is wide open as well. So there you go. Um, man, LSU ran the ball well. Look, it, it, it's a plain and simple device. LSU's got some studs, okay? They, they've got some players. That quarterback, Jaden Daniels, shoot. <laughs> Dude can ball. That's all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say. His numbers speak for themselves yet again. Yet again. 22 of 32, 182 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a QBR of 85.4. He ran it 18 times for 95 yards and a touchdown. So all told, Jaden Daniels accounted for 277 total yards, three touchdowns, nary a turnover. And if you look at his numbers through the course of the year, he's thrown, he, he's got 2,613 total yards, 
He's accounted for 24 touchdowns and just one interception. He's right up there with all the uh, with Hendon Hooker, with Caden Williams from USC. Did a much better job than Bryce Young yesterday. Um, and Stroud from Ohio State. I, I really, really, really call me crazy. I don't care. Jaden Daniels should be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. He really should. His numbers speak for themselves. LSU moves up to number seven in the AP poll, number eight in the coaches poll. Where will they be in the college football playoff poll that comes out tomorrow? I mean, they're going to move up, right? They're going to move up. I just don't know how far they'll move up from number 10. But, I mean, holy cow. Holy cow. Speaking of holy cow, shout out to the Houston Astros for uh, getting the World Series wrapped up. Um, Pena, sensational at shortstop. Alvarez, just that—that that is a great, great team. And it's making everybody else in baseball go, okay, what do, we've got to do something, something to try and beat this juggernaut. So some players are going to get well, well overpaid. What do the Yankees do with Aaron Judge? If they let him go, are you kidding me? Um so it's making everybody in baseball think this is a closest thing to a dynasty um, that there is. And there's a couple players that the Astros have to figure out and take care of, including their manager. Uh, but that was a juggernaut from start to finish. They never looked back and they just took care of business and wrapped that thing up. So shout out to H town uh, and the Houston Astros have been another, another firing this is kind of surprising, um, but man, what a team that so much was expected uh, and so much has not come through. And one day after the Indianapolis Colts' worst offensive performances in a long, long time, the Colts fired fifth-year head coach Frank Reich. They named Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach. Um. He played 13 seasons for the Colts. He's a television analyst. He's been a consultant for the team. He's in the Colts' ring of honor. Uh, he was the head coach for Hebron Christian Academy in Dacula, Georgia, for three seasons, and that's it. So a guy that's never been a coach in college, never been a coach in the NFL, becomes the interim coach of the Baltimore Colts, which tells me one thing and one thing only. Public relations for the Colts is far more important than winning games at this point and time. Um, some people will say Saturday was hired. Uh, you know, he's the interim coach from outside the organization. The move does not violate the Rooney rule, which requires teams to interview minority con candidates for head coaching vacancies. Uh, that's what the NFL told ProFootballTalk.com interim it doesn't apply it does not apply so uh there you go saints and the um baltimore ravens tonight we saw in the nfl yesterday how uh the, the falcons lost right which was a very good thing they lost to the uh los angeles chargers carolina got blown away as we anticipated 
But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were winners yesterday. So right now, uh, the Saints need a win to make to create a three-way logjam atop the NFC South at four and five. Saints need this game badly. We'll talk to with Christopher Dunnels about that in just a minute. Glenn West will talk about the Tigers at 2.30. Gerald Broussard will recap a tough loss by the Cajuns at 3. Jim Gazzolo will talk about a nice win for the McNeese State Cowboys at around 3.15. And Blake Rafino will join us at around 3.30 to talk more about this LSU football team. Um, most exciting night I've ever been a part of in that stadium. And I've been a part of some really – I've been very – incredibly fortunate and blessed to have seen some of the most memorable games in that grand building's lifetime. Nothing topped what I saw Saturday night from a fan's perspective, from the emotion of the moment to the calm and reservedness to the gutsy, I'm going for two, the heck with the rest of it. I mean, you talk about what? what's the proper word to use so I don't get um, the FCC after me. Cojones? Onions? Whatever you want to call it. Brian Kelly's got them in spades, baby. He's got them. All right. We got a lot to talk about. Enough of me. Uh, we'll talk Saints, Ravens when we return uh, here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. It's a Monday afternoon edition. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Oh, I got a story to tell, too. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right, we'll get back to the LSU win over Alabama, but a very, very significant opportunity for the New Orleans Saints tonight when they take on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football inside Caesars Superdome. Atlanta lost. The Panthers lost. The Bucks won. Saints need a win to stay atop, tied for the lead in the NFC South. All three, Falcons, Bucks, Saints, with a win tonight, would be at four and five. So a very critical uh, opportunity for this New Orleans Saints team. And with more on what to expect tonight, we welcome in one of our great reporters uh, who covers, their, covers the New Orleans Saints for the uh, Canal Street Chronicles, our good friend Christopher Dunnels. Chris, good afternoon, my friend. What's going on? Nothing much, man. I'm just getting ready for Monday Night Football. How are you doing over there? I'm doing terrific. It's, it's, uh, I said it earlier. I've, I've been to um, many, 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 many games, including some some unbelievable Saints games in which I cried my eyes out. But nothing topped what I saw in Tiger Stadium against Alabama. That that whole environment was just absolutely amazing. But we got to top that off with a win tonight. How do the Saints do that against this Baltimore Raven team with such a dynamic quarterback and a defense that's always pretty darn good? Well, I mean, you said it. The the key for the Saints to win this game will be to contain former MVP Lamar Jackson's quarterback. So if he doesn't kill you with his arms, he can kill you with his legs. And the issue is going to be, can the defense build off of containing the Las Vegas Raiders defense and shutting them out 24 to nothing a week ago and now go against a better offense with a better quarterback, a substantially better quarterback, who presents – bigger challenges for the Saints defense. If the Saints defense can do that, then they should have no problems tonight. But no one's been able to slow down Lamar Jackson quite yet this season. 
what, what do you Dennis Allen is the head coach. Dennis Allen is a defensive minded coach. Um, running quarterbacks or the quarterbacks that have the ability to extend plays and run around and uh, give their wide receivers more time to get open have always presented problems to the Saints. They present problems to every defense. But what do you think Dennis Allen? What, what's the game plan? Do you think if you were inside that defensive uh, defensive meeting room, what do you think they're telling these players? Well, historically, what you say in a game against a running quarterback is you say we're not going to rush the passer quite as aggressively as we normally would with a stationary quarterback because you don't want to have your edge rushers lose contain, crash in, and then let the quarterback run for gigantic gains. The problem is that's the strategy they employed against the Atlanta Falcons in week one and Marcus Mariota. And while the Saints were ultimately able to win that game with an epic fourth-quarter comeback – Marcus Mariota still was able able to rattle off 12 rushes for 72 yards and a touchdown. And again, Lamar Jackson is miles better than Marcus Mariota. Make no mistake about it. So I don't think the Saints defense can come in with the exact same game plan of let's just try to play contain on the defensive line. I think they're they're going to need to come in with strategically timed blitzes that we didn't really see in that week one game. I think they're going to have to hope for added a growth out of Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner. Davenport played great last week against the Raiders. So if they, if the edge rushers, Cam Jordan, Turner, uh, Davenport, can play that and contain the edge well enough to make sure Lamar can't just bust off these giant runs, then the defense can do what they can to slow him down. Because you're not going to stop Lamar Jackson. All you can hope to do is slow him down and hope that those back-breaking runs on third downs, converting them to first downs on the ground don't happen or only happen a handful of times. Because if you, otherwise, it extends the drive, the defense gets tired, and it can really suck the energy out of that stadium. You're very right. I'm looking at the injury reports. Christopher Dunnell's with us. Um, one of the key factors for the Ravens is Mark Andrews. He's got a knee and a shoulder in, uh, situation. He didn't practice Thursday, didn't practice Friday. Didn't practice Sunday. They list him as doubtful. Um, it would be great if he were not able to go. Who else does Lamar Jackson have that's of a, I, I don't I, really, I, with Rashad Bateman out, I, I don't know who they have as complimentary players to surround Lamar Jackson with. Well, first, let me, let me give you uh, and Saints listeners a little bit of good news. So that okay. good news is yesterday, uh, the Ravens officially downgraded Mark Andrews as out. So he is okay. not traveling with the team tonight, so he is not going to play. Uh, so that is huge for the Saints' defense. Uh, but the problem is, in 2018, I believe, that Drew Brees threw four touchdown passes, primetime and Monday Night Football, and the recipients of those passes were Dan Arnold, Keith Kirkwood. It was that game, right, right. where four undrafted free agents caught touchdown passes. With a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, obviously a tight end, the caliber of Mark Andrews, who is the Ravens' leading receiver, not just you know as a tight end, but all uh, pass catchers for that Ravens offense. Him not being there is huge, but Lamar Jackson, the type of quarterback he is, he doesn't need necessarily those you know Michael Thomas-esque caliber players uh, on the offensive skills positions. He's able to, because defenses have to respect his ability to run, that usually opens things up for whoever he can throw the ball to. They have uh, a running back in Kenyon Drake, 
uh, who a lot of Saints fans will probably remember from his time, both with the Raiders and with the Cardinals. There are still very talented players at receiver. So it's not a situation where the Saints don't have to respect those skills positions, but their focus is going to have to be starting and ending with Lamar Jackson. Chris Donald's with us. Um, do you believe that their new acquisition uh, that Baltimore traded for less than a week ago, Roquan Smith, uh, to Chicago, how quickly do you think he um, can be an impact in this game? So the athletic ability of Roquan Smith is undeniable. So when he plays, he will his impact will be felt. The issue will be he's usually been one of the defensive signal callers for the Bears. It'll be hard for him to do that and pick up a new defensive scheme for the Ravens. So. I don't think he's going to be able to make as many adjustments at the line. So hopefully Andy Dalton, Pete Carmichael, and the Saints offense can try to confuse uh, Roquan Smith when he's on the field so that Smith doesn't have the opportunity to try to make adjustments uh, with a personnel group that he might not be as familiar with. But if he's on the field, the Saints are going to be aware of where he is and try to get the ball somewhere that he's not. Chris, um, Andy Dalton's officially been named the Saints starter for the foreseeable future. Um, and he earned that through his play over the last five weeks while Jameis Winston recovered from injuries. And he managed to hold on to the starting spot, even now that Wilson Winston's healed up. Uh, last week, I mean, 117.2 passer rating, 229 yards on, on 22 of 30 passes in a blowout win. Uh, the Saints... which I never would have thought they're sitting in the top 10 in most major offensive categories. The Ravens aren't the very best against the pass. This this is another opportunity for Dalton to make a statement, isn't it? Yeah. And one big thing that can go understated with Andy Dalton's performance hasn't necessarily been with Andy Dalton's numbers specifically, but looking at what he's been able to do, getting Alvin Kamara implemented into the game. So, In the first two games with Jameis Winston, Kamara totaled exactly 100 yards of rushing and then in the air added only 19 more yards. Last week against the Raiders, Kamara had 96 yards in the air with two touchdowns and added a touchdown on the ground with 62 rushing yards. And it's been like that generally with Andy Dalton at quarterback. He's been able to get Alvin Kamara the ball, whether it's on the ground or in the passing game, get him the ball in space and let Alvin Kamara do Alvin Kamara things. So when you talk about a team playing against the pass, what that usually means is total receiving yards or passing yards. It doesn't matter whether the person who caught the ball was a receiver or a tight end or, in this case, a running back. So for the Saints, getting Alvin Kamara the ball, keeping him away from Roquan Smith, getting him the ball in space and letting Alvin Kamara just work his magic in prime time will be one of the keys for Andy Dalton. And he's shown, fortunately so far, an ability to get Kamara with the ball. Um, I said the pass defense hasn't been that great, but the, the, the defense against the run from Baltimore is ranked fifth in the league. Um, so maybe Kamara is going to have to be more of a weapon as a wide receiver coming out of the backfield than trying to get those tough yards between the tackles. I, I don't. I think you have to try it, right? But you can't continue to keep trying if you're not having success with it. Well, g- kind of. And I know Saints fans can get really frustrated watching games and seeing those 
first down runs and second down runs not really pick up much. And you say, well, why are the Saints still calling these first down runs into these stacked boxes? Right. And understand that usually those plays are not just called for that single moment to try to pick up you know, a big chunk on first down on that play. They're called multiple times to set up the big bomb play on play action where yep. the whole defense thinks, oh, here's another one of those first down runs where they're just going to run it into a stacked box. And then Andy <laughs> Dalton can throw the ball deep to Chris Olave or Mark West Callaway or hopefully a returning Jarvis Landry. And in that situation, it requires setting that up with the running game, even if you're struggling to get, you know, yardage. Uh, on the ground with Kamara. So you don't want Kamara to get hurt. Hopefully with Mark Ingram out, you see players like Dwayne Washington, maybe Tony Jones Jr., uh, possibly Jordan Howard getting elevated from the practice squad, and you let some of those bruisers take the hits at the defensive line. And, yes, you you let Alvin Kamara do his thing in the passing game, but you don't want to abandon the run game altogether because each side opens up the other. So if the Saints find success in the passing game, Hopefully the box has fewer defenders in it, and that opens up the running game. But at the same time, even if you're struggling in the running game, you've got to stick with it so that way opposing defenses can't just only focus on defending the pass. I'm with you. Chris Tunnels, uh, it's time to pay the piper now. You're very smart. We, we love your analysis of things. So who wins tonight and by how much? So the Ravens are currently favored by three points. Right. Uh, or by two, I think. I think it moved, actually. So I think it's two now. And home teams are usually given three points for home field advantage, which means right. uh, odds makers roughly think the Ravens are five, six points better than the Saints if they played on a neutral ground. Right. Uh, the additional news of Mark Andrews being out, seeing football this past weekend play out, seeing the Falcons have another great Falcon performance, uh, and blowing the lead against the Chargers, seeing how bad <laughs> the Buccaneers looked and how bad Tom Brady looked, even notwithstanding that final drive. I yeah. think that motivates the Saints defense and the Saints team, who were also underdogs going into that game against the Raiders. So I don't think the Saints defense can shut out Lamar Jackson, but I I really like the Saints' chances. I have a good feeling about this one. So I'm going to pick the Saints to win, uh, not nearly as a comfortable win as they had last week, I'll say they win by four. I'll take it and run all the way to the bank. Christopher Donalds, enjoy Monday night football, and thank you so much. Of course. Talk soon. Who ah, you got it. Uh, I would take that. Uh, absolutely. Don't forget, since the Saints are taking the Ravens on tonight, the game will get you ready for the primetime matchup. Crunch time with my boys, Miguez and Mesh, will be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnson Street today from four to six so come hang out with the fellas enjoy some ice cold beverages burgers whatever you like tonight as the saints take on the ravens twin peaks eats drinks and scenic views we'll take a time out time to go back to tiger town glenn west will join us we'll recap it all here on the jordy helper show stay with us he said Oh, the Tigers moved up in the polls. Where will they be tomorrow in the poll that really, really counts? (laughs) And again, I've seen a bunch, a bunch of games in that venerable building, uh, and I've never seen anything quite like that 32-31 overtime win over Alabama. Just amazing. Glenn West was there, as he is for all the ball games, and he's here with us each and every Monday, and we're so appreciative of that. Big guy, how are you? Doing well, Jordy. How are you? Um, Terrific. All right, sum it up for me. 
Yeah, I mean, look, uh, just a crazy, crazy atmosphere. Certainly one of the uh, great games that I've ever seen there. I've covered the team since 2017, and there have been a lot of highlight moments. But uh, for sure, that one stands, I think, probably at the top uh, or, or near the top. You know, you can include you know, some of the seven, uh, 2019 matchups. But uh, in terms of just impact, in terms of just what you think this could turn into, um, <laughs> how quickly it's kind of come amazing. about. Um, it, it was a huge, huge win for this program, huge win for Brian Kelly, um, and, and just a, a really, really fun night. I was on the field for the fourth quarter in overtime and uh, was, on the, was on the wrong side of the field for overtime, but uh, it was just equally electric. And the, 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 I mean, you couldn't hear yourself talking to the guy next to you. It was that kind of loud in there, and it was just a really unforgettable, unforgettable kind of four hours. Yeah, I took my two daughters and one of their friends, and um, it, it was a ball. It was just, it was great. And, you know, I very rarely, if ever, sit in the stands for a game. I'm always on the field, um, but I kind of listen in, and, you know, early on, and even, even early on when things, you know, Bama got the early lead, the fans weren't being critical. They weren't, uh, come on, Kelly, what are you doing? Like they had done in the past. It was like, okay, we can still do this. There was a belief there. And I think that stems from the guy on the dadgum sidelines. And we got a pretty darn good quarterback too. Good, great quarterback. And, and look, I think one of the points that I made to you last week, kind of heading into this game was LSU has been a second half team all year. And if you yep. could go into the break, true. Uh, whether you were uh, narrow lead, narrow deficit, equal, you know, tied. Um, I think it was the best You're right. option. I mean, it was the best option for LSU to come out of that game with a win. Um, and, and they go into the half only down seven, six. I think a lot of that has to do um, with the way the defense played in that first half. Alabama moved the ball down the field. Um, but they were settling for field goals and not touchdowns. I think of the five uh, possessions that Alabama had there um, in the red zone, only, you know, only one of those was, was, was converted for a touchdown. The rest were field goals. Then you also had the interception there uh, in the first quarter, which was a really big tone setter. But uh, I, I think the play of Jaden Daniels in the fourth quarter in overtime, is going to go down as one of the all time great, uh, great games from a quarterback uh, he was just dialed in. He he did it with his legs. I mean the the thirty the 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 twenty five yard touchdown run in overtime was great, but yeah. that thirty five yard run he had in the fourth yep. quarter that helped set up that touchdown, I thought was equally as impressive. I mean he was you know weaving in and out of you know tackles and just making guys miss. I mean that was a a really really uh, just unique run, and you don't get that from a lot of college quarterbacks. I thought he stunk. He only had three touchdowns. He was accountable for. Where, where's the five? No, I'm kidding. Um, just just uh, just remarkable. And, and and good coaching is figuring things out. And this coaching staff figured out this Harold Perkins kid's pretty good. We got to get him on the field. And he and B.J. Ogilary together, that's scary. Did they look as as the coach that they beat? always used to say, you're not going to always get to the quarterback. You're not going to always hit them, but you can always affect the quarterback. And that's what they did. Yeah. They, they disguised Perkins really well in this game. I thought he played 67 snaps, uh, which was you know Shoot. well over 30 more than he had played in any previous game this year. The coaching staff knew he was going to be important to this game plan and having LSU execute the way that it wanted to on defense. And they were sliding him out in the slot. You know, they used him kind of as a, 
uh, kind of a decoy or a disguiser by, by lining him up across from, from other receivers. Right. And then before the snap, they would slide him inside and he would be uh, uh, really just going after Bryce Young throughout the entire game. I think he had eight tackles, a sack, he had three or four quarterback pressures, but it felt like you know, his impact was much more than just that in terms of the stats. I mean, Alabama was looking for him on every play. Uh, and it allowed other players to be successful. Ojalary had a nice night. Um, Makai Wingo was excellent on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought Ollie Gay was was a lot more consistent in his pressures up front. Um, and, and what they were able to really do, I think, is kind of take, you know, kind of they weren't able to stop Bryce Young because you're never going to be able to stop him, but they made him inefficient. And right. I think that was the biggest key coming in. He threw 51 passes and he only completed 25 of them. So, that's a guy who's religiously in the, you know, 65 to 70% completion percentage range. LSU held him under 50% completion. And I think it really helped win the game. Spectacular. And um, look, you got a team that's in the top 10 that have four freshmen that play incredible roles, two on the offensive line, a tight end. Who's going to be a, a just ridiculously good. And that, that linebacker, I mean, golly, that's pretty good. But look, whether LSU won it or lost it, Brian Kelly won this fan base with his with his onions to do what he did under those circumstances. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a sense, LSU was playing with house money right there. I mean, like mm-hmm. you, you, you make that call and you don't get it. Okay, it's really, you know, sad and kind of, yeah, right. I guess, depressing. Deflating, but, right? But yeah, deflating is a good word for it. But um, but you, you, you still show that you have a lot of faith in your team with that move. And I think it shows the fan base that you're going to be aggressive in those situations moving forward. So regardless of kind of how that turned out, I think it was going to be a win. Um, but, but just to get that execution there, I mean, it was really a perfect play. I mean, they kind of disguised those two receivers as almost pickers right. to allow Mason Taylor to kind of come underneath in that route and have a little bit of an open lane to, to the corner of the end zone. Uh, and, and Daniels put the ball right on him. I mean, that was a, a great throw there by Daniels and, you know, the most high pressured situation he's probably ever been in as a quarterback. Uh, and he delivered with a, a really flawless performance there down the stretch. Uh, just, just remarkable. Absolutely. And then Bedlam. Um, so another 250,000, but you know, Shaq was on the sidelines. The honey badger was there. They both said, Hey, we'll, we'll help out a little bit. So maybe LSU won't have to dig quite as deep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, the atmosphere was fantastic. I mean, it was there all night. That was something that coach Kelly talked about immediately after the game. It was one of his first points that he wanted to bring up was uh, the, the LSU, you know, played off of that. They, they played, they get some of that energy throughout the game when things are maybe not looking so great. You know, when, when the field shortens on defense and you get the crowd really pumping in on third and goal or third and 10 or third and six, you know, to have those, uh, those, those, just just atmospheres to be around in a playoff of, I think really, you know, ignites and kind of sparks the defense and, um, you know, offensively. I mean, I just thought, you know, really from the third quarter on, uh, LSU was pretty flawless in what they were trying to do. Uh, Josh Williams, I mean, there were so many unsung heroes in this game, that block that Josh no Williams doubt. hit uh, in, in that <laughs> overtime run. You know, someone I saw it on uh, Twitter. Someone equated it as like the Superman block because I mean he li- literally laid out you know for that block just to give Daniels that little extra time uh, to get to the end zone. And so just just little plays like that. LSU just seemed to make them. 
And it's the little plays like that that LSU hasn't always made in the past against Alabama, and it's come back to bite them some in this series. And they were able to make them on Saturday night, and it was just a really good reflection, I think, of how well these guys have been coached, how well they kind of stick with the game plan, and uh, it, it you know resulted in another win for them. Brian Kelly's a hero. I'm just telling you, he is. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see the replay and being at the game. I didn't get an explanation. What was the call on that fumble that LSU clearly recovered? What, what was the call there? So there's a, a fluky rule in the SEC or uh, I guess in college football or something where um, if a you know, player fumbles the ball and there isn't clear you know, uh, recovery by the defense and he touches it when it's out of bounds, it's just a blown dead ball. So like he, mm. the tight end fumbled the ball, was out of bounds when he touched it, and LSU didn't have you know, security over that ball uh, on the fumble. But you know, I think the, biggest, the bigger question there after the game is, okay, well, if a player is ineligible – uh, and he's out of bounds and he touches the ball. Shouldn't that just be an illegal touching call? And he would not Thank even you. count. So like, that's, I think that's the rule uh, that they got to look at a little bit closer in the off season. We'll see if anything changes off of that, but I mean, it's a, it's a rare play. It's a unique play. And um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure what will come of that, but that was pretty much the explanation. After yeah, that. that was, a, that, that was bizarre. It took a long time to figure out too. And people were getting yeah. a little restless. And then when the call came, I went, you gotta be kidding me, but you explained it. And you held him to a field goal on that drive. Yes. Still, you didn't give up seven. You gave up three. Yes. Um, and it kept you really, you know, close with that game. So it was just a really good performance. You know, overall. yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, they have so much firepower there. Uh, you know, Gibbs did his steal, 15 carries, 99 yards. But you know, just they didn't get everything. And I think you mentioned the key was that Young was under 50. percent I don't know if he was hurt or not, but I think the pressure affected him um greatly uh and so that was terrific now lsu has to go to fayetteville and i heard a quote from brian kelly and i played it earlier in the show about you know no it's not a trap game if you prepare your team it's all about attitude and you know 30 degrees we practiced in the you know earlier in the year we never practiced indoors we practice out there in 50 degrees 40 degrees all that stuff i love his mindset i love how he addresses things and explains things and i think this team is bought into it, and I don't expect a letdown. I mean, it's one of the reasons that you brought him in here was for these kinds of games. You know, you, you brought him in for, you know, to win the big games and to win championships. But, you know, throughout his entire career, when games that his teams have been favored in, games where it's pretty clear that LSU might have the advantage talent-wise, um, he, he's gotten his teams up for, for those kind of performances and they haven't let, you know, they haven't had a letdown performance really. And I think that's really the key here for LSU. Um, you could make the case earlier this year that the Florida state game was a little bit of a letdown in terms of everything that went on and everything kind of you expected heading into that one. Um, but they, they've completely done a 180, I think in terms of mindset, in terms of focus, uh, in terms of the, the buy-in, like you mentioned, uh, this is a very different team than the one that started in September. Um, and, and I think it gives them all the kind of confidence and momentum after a game like Alabama to show that, hey, we can actually accomplish something this right. year. You, know, you, you, right. you went out, you're in the SEC championship game against probably a very good Georgia team. Um, but before you get there, you got to go through uh, some of these quote unquote trap games against, uh, you know, uh, Arkansas and an A&M team that are both, 
kind of teetering a little bit and, right. and haven't really had the seasons that they expected. So Both are on the they're going to have nothing to play for. They're going to have nothing to play for, and they're going to let it all out there right. on the field. And LSU's just got to make sure that they are not, uh, you know, overtaken by some of the, the, the inconsistencies that could pop up in that one. Never take an SEC team that you have to play at their place for granted ever. Shouldn't Jaden Daniels be in the Heisman Trophy consideration? Look at, look at his numbers compared to all the other quarterbacks. It's right up there. And this team is winning. He should get a sniff, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, every passing week that he plays and he keeps playing like this, I think those chances slowly, incrementally increase. But, um, you know, it's it's going to be a, a tough trek. There's, there's a lot of oh, guys yeah. – playing well all season i, I think right. you have to at least consider him for sure just put him um, in, put his name as in the yeah. mentioning of that's all i'm I, asking I, I think the bigger question honestly with him is what happens after this season um he's 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 played well these last three games the first five or six were very uh you know kind of up and down choppy but these last three games he's you know i mean you know he, what i hope if, if you get this from him the la- the rest of the year um what his draft stock looks like is anybody's guess, I think, at that point. I'm hoping he comes back because we'll I think LSU yeah. can win and win big if he comes back. And and I think he becomes a first-round pick if he does come back. I don't think there's a lot of people in the know on that question. And so yeah. I think that absolutely bodes well for LSU because coming in when he transferred back in you know April, May – the que- or uh, no, not April, May, but in the off season, I, I right. can't remember exactly when he transferred, but um, the, the the belief was he would always be kind of a one and done guy. He'd be out after this year and take his chances on pros. He he uh, you know, flirted with doing that after. I got last three year. letters for you, baby. I got three letters. N I L. Sure. N I L. And look, if you if you look at some of the recent mold of some of these quarterbacks who have come back, you know, even Hendon Hooker from from Tennessee this year, he came back for a fifth year. Yeah. Um, Burrow uh, in nineteen he had the most explosive season in college football history no after finishing off his season really strong. So, uh, if you if if Daniels finishes off this year the way that we think he can, uh, the way that he's proven that he's capable of doing. Um, I think there's absolutely a reason to believe he could potentially be back next year. It would be a, a really good story. All right, last one. Uh, the first college football playoff rankings came out last week. LSU was at number 10. Since then, Tennessee got beat. They're not going to drop that far. Clemson got beat. Alabama got beat. Um, you still got Oregon ahead of you. You still have USC ahead of you. Guess to me, where do you think LSU pops up come tomorrow night? I think they move up. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, you're looking at five or six. I would probably say around seven. Um, it I was going to say seven. Sweet spot. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, the LSU is the best two-loss team in the country, um, and they have a chance to do something that's pretty unprecedented, and that's be the first two-win team to potentially – or two-loss team to potentially get into the – uh, the mix here. I mean, they they absolutely are in control of their own destiny. There's no doubt they're the best two loss team. The question is the committee is the committee going to think that two loss team is better than a one loss USC and a one loss Oregon. Oregon's only loss was a blowout first game of the year to Georgia, who is by far the best team in college football right now. So yeah. uh, so we shall see. 
if you went out and you take out number one Georgia, I don't know how you can leave LSU out in the SEC championship game. I just don't know how you can do that if because the only pathway to the college football playoff is if, is if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC right. championship too. No question. So uh, again, all theoretical stuff right now. That's we're, right. Gotta we're, gotta, we're, gotta be gotta be Arkansas. Ourselves. I'm glad I'm not playing on the team because I'd be thinking about all that stuff <laughs> as if I was a player. <laughs> Now, now LSU fans are all scrambling. Oh my gosh, I got to buy airplane tickets to Atlanta. I got to get a hotel room. I, they're all scrambling yep. now. Keep I know. hope alive. Yep, yep. It's gonna be. You got to run. You're the best, Glenn. We got hoops this week too. Women tonight. Men Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Matt McMahon opens things up, and Kim Mulkey opens it up tonight. So yeah, it'll be a, a fun and, and interesting week. Busy week for you. Get your long johns as you head to Fayetteville because it's gonna be cold, big fella. But thank you yes, for sir. your time. All right. Thanks, Jordan. And West, kind enough to join us. We'll be back to wrap up our number one after this time out here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever? Text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing at the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th, just a few days away. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Brought to you by the game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Hour number two, we'll talk Cajuns, Cowboys, and more Tigers. So it's a football Monday here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. On this Monday, November 7th, the year 2022, it was so loud, it was so raucous in Tiger Stadium in the win over Bama that the fans' cheering caused two small earthquakes, enough to register on the old seismograph, what a night it was in Tiger Stadium. One of the greatest games I've ever seen there. And as I've said before, I've seen a whole bunch of them, but that's right there at the very top of the list. Hopefully the Saints can get a win tonight. That would be terrific. But we begin our number two, unfortunately, with a tough one as the Raging Cajuns, who led 17-zip, um, fell as um, Troy scored 23 unanswered points and uh, they beat the Cajuns 23-17. Let's get a recap of all of it from our good friend, the radio color analyst for the Cajuns, former player, former coach, Gerald Broussard. Kind enough to join us. Gerald, man, that had to be a tough one, buddy. Thank you for yeah, joining us. How are you? I'm good, and, and it was. It was a tough day. And, and, and look, when, there weren't anything registered in the Richter scale in Cajun Field. There were a few people that missed it, and, and um, you know, that was a little bit disappointing for the lack of attendance there for Senior Day. Uh, Cajun decided to go with Senior Day on the Saturday instead of the last game being this coming Thursday. But, uh, yeah, why yeah is that? Just, this was a tough day for the Cajuns. Why do you think they did that, by the way? Uh, when Coach Daz was a senior, 
his they they did a senior day on Thursday night because of a of a Thursday night broadcast game and felt like that hurt the attendance and and he thought this would be able to help the attendance okay. by having it on the Saturday and so it was strategic uh, to try and uh, hopefully have a better uh, a better crowd for the seniors there but uh, as it turned out that didn't work. All right, let's cut down to it here. Um, you lead 17 zip with 8.36 left in the third quarter. What happened for the last half of the third quarter and the entirety of the fourth quarter? What what went wrong? So Troy came out. The Cajuns actually got the ball to start the second half, Jordy, with a 10 nothing lead. Went down and scored to make it 17 nothing. Uh, Troy gets the ball to start the next drive, and and they they take the rest of the third quarter to score. And I say the they score with three seconds, and so they they eat up. So there were only two drives in in the the whole third quarter. The wow. Cajun scoring drive and Troy scoring drive. Yeah, and and Troy went for it on fourth down in field goal range. At the time during the broadcast, I mentioned to Jay that I thought that you know I, I Troy got it, so it worked out, but. I thought that was uh, taking a big chance because I said, man, as long as it took Troy to score and the struggles they had the whole first half, just being able to move the football, I said, man, you got to get points where you can because it was a three-score game. I was wrong, though, Jordy. Uh, Troy came back after not being able to stop the Cajuns. Uh, the Cajuns couldn't move the football after that. Yeah. And then Troy was, you know, went to a more of an inside run game, running a little gap scheme power play with a read off of it. Their quarterback, who, you know, wasn't real mobile. And, and we kind of thought they might even make a quarterback change at halftime. But Gunnar Watson, who's an experienced guy for him, played for him a lot, came out in the second half, made some nice throws. And then also, uh, showed some elusiveness and made some really good throws uh, on the move. Hmm. I got you, Jerry Broussard, with us. It seems to me that this game is on the Cajun offense. If they could have done anything offensively with the lead that they had had, um, they would have eaten up the clock and Troy wouldn't have had enough time to come back and win it. So according to the stats, only 14 of their 315 yards of total offense came in the final period. They just couldn't pick up anything. What happened? No, how about that? that and, 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 you know, went back. They made a few uh, changes in the offensive line. They were able to run the football. They being the Cajuns were able to run the football on the previous two drives, uh, but just couldn't get anything going running it. And, and then, you know, struggled to throw. Actually, you know, the quarterback and, and, and Ben's a tough guy. And Ben ended up getting – not hurt, but stayed on the field for a little bit after he, he he got tackled on his last touchdown. And they just, you know, there were opportunities out there that just were never converted on. And just, you know, if, I I wish I had the answers. Got to told yeah. them, but you know, it just struggled to, to to move the football on plays that they were able to move it with before. And look. Troy had the momentum when they scored. They had some excitement, some enthusiasm with them, and just carried that momentum over. Thought this was a good football team against the run, and thought it was going to be a chore to run the football against Troy. But but Jordy, the Cavs were able to do it early, and then it was like Troy. Uh, credit their coaches and, and their team for rallying in the second half and just saying that uh, we're going to put our foot down, which and and, and they did. If you had told me, uh, Troy, to your point, Troy had only given up 102, maybe 103 yards on the ground in nine games, average. 
If you had told me the Cajuns got 203 yards on the ground against Troy playing at home, and you say, Jordy, what's the final score? I say, uh, Cajuns win this thing rather handily. Uh, but apparently most of that yardage was done in uh, two quarters and a half. And then from that point, they didn't get the ball back in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they couldn't do anything, just 14 yards. Okay. So something changed. Yep. And, it, and, and look, and it, it was just a, a lack of ability to, to finish it out. Um, and, and, you know, Troy got more aggressive with their defense and were able to, and, and, you know, when you do do that and, and you're going to give up something in a throwing game, Cajuns weren't able to do anything throwing the football, moving it and getting away, you know, getting Troy to back back out. And, and uh, yeah, and, and look, I didn't think going into it, watching what I saw on film, seeing what I saw of Troy, seeing what I've seen of the Cajuns this year. If, if, I'm in the same boat as you. If you tell me the Cajuns are going to run for 200 yards against Troy, I'm thinking, well, yeah, they're going to win it and win it handily. Uh, yeah. But, and, and look, and you hit it on the head. Now, they did that. They being the Cajuns did that really two and a half quarters. Um, right. Because there was nothing in, in, at all in the fourth and just, um, you know, just showed some signs and some flashes of it, but, but never were able to just, and I think part of that is just that, you know, when, when they've seen what we've seen from the cages this year, you know, they, they have not had the ability to separate or to, to put people away. And it's just because of a struggle with some inconsistency. And look, you, you mentioned the Cajun offense not being able to get it done. It's the same Cajun defense that, that was stopping Troy time after time after time in the right, third quarter. Right. I mean, going into that third quarter, but couldn't find a way to get off the field in that, you know, on the long drive. And then, Jordan, I'm just telling you, Troy Troy imposed their will running yeah. the football and made the necessary plays. And, and you know, they, they, but I, I say the necessary plays because, they, they had a few 10-yard runs, 12-yard runs, 14-yard runs, and, and just things that would, did not work at all in the first half then worked all of a sudden in the, in right. the fourth quarter. Well, they can't dwell on it because Thursday night they had to come right back and do it again. 6.30, Georgia Southern comes to town. We found out that the following weekend, uh, Saturday, November 19th, they got to go to Tallahassee, play Florida State. That's an 11 a.m. game. And then he closed things out against Texas State on the road on November 26th. This team's not going anywhere. When that game's over, it's done. So as a coach, you want to get the best out of your players, but you got to motivate. You got to get them inspired. You said that the fan base really didn't show up. So how do you do that? I mean, you got to play for pride, right? Yeah. No, now it's on you. Now it's on you. You're not playing for your fans. You're not playing for anything. It's on you. You still have a chance to play a 13th game. Uh, yep. You know, if if you can get to six and six, there's an opportunity to get to six and six. If you're going to do it, you got to beat George Southern. Uh, George Southern is sitting at five and four, so they need to win also to get there. Uh, you know, this is a Georgia Southern team that's not the old Georgia Southern option team. Their their right. offensive coordinator comes from Western Kentucky, so they're throwing it all over the yard. Uh, but but if you can find some way to beat Georgia Southern, and then you know. And let's be realistic and you do what you can at Florida state, but put yourself in a position to get your six win at Texas state. Win two out then of three. you got a chance to play. Yep. And, yeah. and, but it starts this Thursday. And look, the other thing is that people talk about a chip on your shoulder, Jordan, you, I mean, you can sit there and say, Hey, we're playing this for the guy next to you. Not for anybody else. It's not for the fans. It's not for Lafayette. It's not for, it's for you and your pals. And, and, um, 
you know, kind of take a little bit of a bitter pill with it. But but if, whatever it takes now, you know, whatever it takes to get you motivated to come out. The other part of it is on both sides of the football for, for Troy and for UL, the trainers came out to the field a lot. I mean, it was a very physical game. They didn't come to get DBs and receivers. They came to get linemen uh, on both sides of the football and, and, and for both teams. And so that, it was very physical. So this is a short week. So what we're talking about, the motivation part of it, you're not going to do it by beating them up during the week. You won't have anybody right. to play the game. And so right. you've got to do the, the mental part of it. And then the coach, it's going to be a big chore for the Cajun coaches to do that. But if you, but there's nothing that you can't. I mean, you just got to spend some time with you guys, let them know the love you have for them, challenge them to, to come out and play a good game this week. And, and right. this is a, a, a game you can win. And then if you win this one, Jordan, you get to do it again. And, and right. But it, it's a mental preparation game because physically it's a team that's going to need to recover and recoup. Jerry, I can't thank you enough for uh... – for taking the time uh, after a tough one. It's, it's, it's hard when you play so well in the first half and you build up a big lead midway through the third quarter and then everything comes to a screeching halt. Momentum completely changes and they couldn't stop Troy. Troy's a very good football team. They're going to win the conference, uh, at least that division, uh, and we'll see how far they go. But thank you, sir. We'll, we'll do it again soon, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Stay safe, Jordy. Appreciate you. You got it, my friend. That's uh, Gerald Broussard. So the Cajuns lose a tough one. But after this timeout, we're heading over to Lake Charles because McNeese gets a 29-15 to win over Eastern Illinois. Got to celebrate it with Jim Gazzolo when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Stay with us. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Helpert Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. It's time to celebrate a big win for the McNeese State Cowboys as they took care of business Saturday against uh, Eastern Illinois. Uh, behind a great running game. They, they, they win it 29 to 15 and losing streak ends at four. So I finally got Jim Gazzolo after a good time. So Jim from the American press who covers the Cowboys kind enough to join us. Are you happy? Everything's okay. Oh, life's grand. Jordy, just grand. Jim, you kill me with your sarcastic humor, but I tell you what, there is no sarcasm when you talk about Deontay McMahon, is it? This dude can run the ball. No, he was uh, he was everything they had. It, but he won't talk about his 211 yards rushing, Jordy. All he wants to talk about is his one touchdown pass. He's one for one in his career, so that's what he's excited about. 33-yarder <laughs> to freshman John McCall. How about that? Um so what what uh, what changed? What happened? Uh, give me give me some of the bright spots from this one. Well, mainly as they played Eastern Illinois, so right. <laughs> let's start with that. But really, right. they've been playing better since uh, the break. They almost beat Southeastern the week before, lost twenty eight twenty seven. Had had a chance to beat Nichols, got stopped on a one yard on a fourth and one play. Otherwise, they could have won that game. So the last three weeks, they've really played a lot better. Mostly is their offensive line's gotten better, and they've really turned to a lot of young players. 
And we're seeing a lot of young players, a lot of true freshmen like John McCall stepping up. And we're seeing a different kind of uh, – we're seeing a future kind of come into focus a little bit. Uh, Ryan Roberts, 13 of 20, 177 yards passing, one touchdown. Not bad. No, and uh, he's a kid from Lafayette. He's the son of a coach. Ron Roberts is a former uh, Southeastern yep. head football coach. He's now the Baylor uh, defensive coordinator. Right. So he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's not very flashy, but he's very much of the game management guy. But he can turn and hand the ball off to Dante McMahon, and that's all they really need right now. Uh, he beats <laughs> the Southland right. by 200 yards in rushing. Um, Going to be the first McNeese Southland Conference uh, rushing leader since, I think, 2008. Man, that's awesome. 29-15, the win. What did it feel like to have a 10-zip a lead after one quarter? That that hasn't happened much this year. <laughs> no. Well, we didn't get fined for charging the field, so that's good. <laughs> but, um, you know, they just uh, they played – the defense is playing much better. It's really strange to see because the secondary looks completely different. These are guys that really – didn't I, I didn't know they were on the depth chart. They were a lot of them like a Crajon Bennett from Iowa wasn't expected to even get the four games in. He was just to be a red shirt the whole year. He gets thrown into the starting lineup at corner. Uh two weeks ago gets beat for a thirty three yard touchdown pass on a fourth and thirteen play, comes back a quarter later and makes his first career interception. That's the kind of growth we're seeing as these kids get a chance to play. Um so that's a little different. Uh, secondly, and, and, and more importantly, is they never gave up on the season. They, they, they've right. kept um, grinding. And um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And Gary, head coach Gary Goff has been very good about throwing in trick plays in practice and throwing in trick plays in games to kind of keep them interested. Yes. And, and that's been a big thing. Yeah, they they bought in, and to your point, it very easily could have said, "Oh man, let's just the heck with this. Let's get this." We've thing seen over that here before. We'll get, yes. Yeah, we'll get to next year, but that that hasn't happened. Your um your line's gotten better, and we said it earlier, uh, in in our many conversations, and not to harp on it, but you don't have to be a road scholar to figure out. My gosh, McMahon, he needs to carry the ball more early in the season. He was getting single digit touches made no sense yeah yeah and we, what we're seeing is a lot of trying to make something out of what isn't there and try to instill a program when it wasn't there especially a quarterback now they've figured out what we can do at quarterback and what we can't do at quarterback and you know we're on, we're on really the fourth ryan roberts is really probably the fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart when the season started Right, But injuries, now Walker Wood is out, injuries that Knox Kadem has kind of forced them to come up with a secondary plan. And this one's working. And I think a lot of that has to attribute to the fact that the Ryan Roberts and the young receivers who he's throwing to worked so much together on the scout team. They're very comfortable with each other. Okay. All right. So you've got uh... – you got two games left. You got to go to HBU on the twelfth, and then on the nineteenth. Well, more than two games left. I'm sorry. You've got uh, no, just two H- games, just two, and then you close out with Lamar at McNeese. Um, can you split those two, possibly? The other two winnable games. They should win both games. They should be favored oh, in both games. That's I know awesome. that sounds very bizarre, <laughs> but they are. Well, when you think about, about it, 
Jim, when you think about it, all right, you lose a really tough one, but you play Nichols all the way to the wire. You lose yes. by five. You mentioned Southeastern. You lose by one. You, 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 you take an inferior opponent and you handle them. You beat them by 14. And you got two winnable games. That's one, two, three, four. That's five games to end your season where, man, you yes. got a good taste in your mouth. And that, uh, that takes you to uh, – to spring practice and, and you feel a little bit better and these players have bought in and they can see something they can, they can feel what winning is about. Yeah. That's why the next two games are so important. I mean, combine Lamar and Houston Baptist Christian, they're cha- They're in the process of changing their name. Um, they've only got three combined wins. So these are two winnable games. Okay. Uh, the thing about it is if you take away everything since the break, and the bye week, they've played really well by comparison yeah. to before. So we've seen a lot of growth in that time. A lot of it is, a lot of it, you know, everybody talks about players have to learn coaches. A lot of it is the coaches have to learn what their players can and can't do. And, and that took some time. And now we're seeing what the younger guys can do. They're by no means a finished product. No. But there's there's reason for hope and there's a reason for people to say, hey, let's take another look at them and, and maybe, you know, if they can finish four and seven, that'd be exactly the same record as last year, but winning three of your last uh, your last three instead of losing much, three of your last four. Much better. And, and and think of it this way. How far has this team come since September tenth when you when you went to Houston with so many expectations and Rice blew the doors off of him oh, by 42. Yeah. How different is his team now? Well, it's just it's a team with an identity, and then that identity is Deontay McMahon and power football, and it's kind of fun to watch. First of all, we're over in two hours and 45 minutes, yeah, so that's, that's fun right. to watch love for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly is it's, it's, it's fine. It's watching kids kind of grow because we knew what this year was going to be. There's nobody that was walking around thinking this was a championship year. Right. Um, right. And it was, what could they do? And based on the last couple of years, what would they lose in the process? Because what we've seen is a lot of teams here the last couple of years check out and have terrible mm-hmm. last games. I want to see how this team finishes before we go crazy on it. But if it finishes strong, um, then I think they've at least begun to really kind of change the culture here. You can sell a couple of more tickets and you can get some more recruits and uh, keep yeah. up the festivities and keep Jim happy and keep the games under three hours. Life is you keep good. Them under three hours, you keep Jim happy. <laughs> keep Jim happy. At LSU-Alabama game, those, t- those television timeouts, my goodness gracious. That was a four-hour yeah. showcase there, big fella. Yeah, I, I, that's uh, that's a deadline killer. We don't we don't have those on F. <laughs> All right. So uh, at HBU Saturday, November twelfth at two o'clock, and then the regular season home finale. It's a night game on the nineteenth against Lamar. I, I like the direction. Yep. I really do. What uh, what class is that uh, running back, McMahon? What what grade is he in? He's a senior, and, oh. and uh, he's a he's a he's a not a COVID senior. He's a bona fide senior. He'll be gone. But they did find out news that uh, D'Angelo Durham, who was also doing very well at the beginning of the year, um, he was actually granted a redshirt year, and he'll be back next year. Oh, that's good. He'll become the bell cow. No question about that. One yeah. thing never changes, and that's the great work that Jim Gazzola does, not only with the with the computer, but he's become a, a radio TV star as well. How about that, man? What, yeah. uh, 
I don't think the star, I think, is very, very fading. Come on now. Come on now. All right. Hey, I got I to gotta mention this to you, Jordy. You're a basketball guy. The women's basketball team in McNeese here opened up with a 110-26 victory over Ecclesia College. Over who? Hours ago. Over uh, who? That's, that's, that's right. Over who? Ecclesia College. Did I pronounce that right? I don't know. Somebody, somebody from okay. Texas. Okay. Okay. That sounds like LSU opening up against Bellarmine or Bellarmine. Who the heck is there that? You go. Uh, it's called get your wins early before conference play starts. So, but I think hoops are going to be fine at McNeese. I think they're going to be good. The women's basketball is going to be really good. Men's, well, let's see. They play tonight. Let's see. Okay. Well, Jim, the, the work never ends, but it's fun. But aren't you tired of that? Press room, food, pizzas, and I mean, come on, Jordy, step it up. We're on the FCS level. We ain't getting good. <laughs> come on, tell Bonnet to dig a little deeper. Come on. We bring this is this is the different Bonnet. This isn't the same budget as the other Bonnet at LSU. <laughs> they both have alligator arms. I love them both. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right, Jim. Thank you for your time. It's always fun, buddy. Thank All you. All right, we'll talk to you, Jordy. You got it, my friend, Jim Gazzolo, and. Uh, Yes, McNeese gets the W. How about that? I will take a quick time out when we come back. From the Are You Serious podcast, Blake Rafino. How about them Tigers? Holy cow. And with winning, you get some recruits. You get another commitment. You got a bunch of other teams, like from Texas A&M, five stars that are decommitting. Yeah, this thing is far from resolved. But LSU's in good shape. We'll talk about the Tigers when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers. Could they be going to Atlanta? Oh, no, 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 no. They're going to Fayetteville, folks. They're going to Fayetteville. We'll be right back. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Yes, indeed. That's the best way to go. We're waiting on Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast. We shall see. Uh, LSU moves up in the rankings to number seven in the poll. Big question is, where will they be come tomorrow night with the college football playoff committee? That's the big question. But what a, what a, what a performance it was on Saturday from top to bottom. And uh, make no mistake about it. The fan base that is Tiger Nation um, just was remarkable. Remarkable. Um, Played such an impact in the game from start to finish. And even when LSU fell behind early, 
They, they, there was no cynicism. There was no, oh my gosh, here we go again. Uh, no, uh, it was, it was fight till the end. And uh, tell you what, it was a, it was a remarkable, remarkable game. Um, Jaden Daniels is all that, and then some. And it's just absolutely remarkable how much he has improved, how much he's worked with Joe Sloan, the quarterback coach, with Brian Kelly, uh, with Mike Denbrock, how that foursome, because make no mistake about it, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, and the player all have had a role and an impact in this thing. And um, it's just absolutely amazing, amazing. Um, and I don't want to talk about next year because still got so much to play for this year. But Jaden Daniels, he comes back next year. Hmm. Now we're talking with all those young players that are out there. You got four freshmen that are just absolutely, I mean, two on the offensive line, Perkins at linebacker, Mason Taylor at tight end. Those are stars. Those are stars now. Uh, Perkins had eight tackles, seven pressures, four stops, three hits, three hurries, one sack, one tackle for loss. And this is against the uh, the guy with the Heisman Trophy and a team that is the standard bearer of college football uh, all the way up until until this year, until this time. Look, they only lost to Tennessee by three. Should have won that game. They lost to LSU by one in overtime. Both games on the road. So it's not like Alabama is awful. No. No. They're not. They're still a a really good team. But LSU was better. Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Podcast joining us. Okay, big guy, you sum it up for me. What are your thoughts after Saturday night? We have a head coach that's worth a darn. (laughs) <laughs> it sure is, isn't he? <laughs> well, I think, Jordy, I, I mean, really and truthfully, they've just gotten better every single week. And it, you're just seeing the byproduct of a good coaching staff and, and, and a team that does have talent. And so Ooh. that now that they're putting it all together on both sides of the, you know, both sides of the ball with guys like Harold Perkins, I mean, Jordy, they win Saturday and Ole Miss loses. You're going to Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, you, you know, we got to go to Fayetteville. We got to beat them. Then we got to go to College Station and beat them. And I, I understand. I understand. Really, um, you've been to a lot of games at that stadium. Where where'd that one rank for you? Um, I still put 2007 Florida at number one uh, for me, but I don't think you can. I mean, <clears throat> the at the this I don't know if I because Jordy you it's different because in the sense that look you were so bad the last two seasons to come back to beat you know a team that was the consensus number one overall team in the country in the preseason and and there and who is still a really good team and then to hold the Heisman Trophy winner to under fifty percent completion percentage I don't know maybe two I'd still give O seven Florida. You know, that that game would be, for me, number one. But, I mean, you can't take away what happened Saturday. No, you can't take it away. And uh, so many recruits there, they already picked up a 
2024 offensive lineman from John Errett. They picked up a 2023 defensive end, um, uh, Dylan Carpenter, who flipped from UL to LSU. And there's a whole bunch of five stars that are bailing out of uh, Texas A&M and Texas. And it wouldn't surprise me. LSU looks like a pretty fun place to play. Yeah, it's a really fun place to play. And look, I, I, I talked to a couple of the recruits and, and have gotten some sourcing on it. Jordy, we made our prediction today for JV and Taviano, the five-star safety uh, out of Texas. Um, just good things I'm hearing. I feel confident that he, you know, he's going to be a Tiger. So, I mean, you continue to reel those guys in, you know, with guys like Deshaun Womack out of Baltimore. And then you get a Taviano with Harold Perkins that's there. Jordy, I mean, this defense is just going to be absolutely insane. And then what they're doing, and here's really the truth. Jordan, what they're doing on both lines of scrimmage is is, is really, really good. The offensive yeah. line, you know, look, Will Campbell and Emory Jones had some times they got beat, but they're only going to get better. And then right. now that you have some of these elite guys coming in, they're only going to be better. I saw, I think the unsung hero on this team, Jordan, in my opinion, is Miles Frazier, the left guard from, you know, transfer. He was an exceptional Go ahead. Oh, he was exceptional. So I just thought that he, he, he's been an unsung hero for sure. Um, should Jaden Daniels be mentioned, just mentioned, in the Heisman Trophy race? Because I think he should. Yeah, he should be mentioned in the Heisman Trophy race. And I think that a lot of people – don't understand, like, when you look at the stats, Jordy, he's up there with everybody. He might be the first. I mean, if he can, if he does really well the next three weeks and, you know, if they get to the SEC championship game and the ball game, Jordy, he could be a 3,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher, and he might have 35 touchdowns. So, yes, he might not go to New York, but he certainly is in that mix. Yeah, and the numbers speak for itself. Doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, it's the most remarkable turnaround from where he was in week one to where he is now between Brian Kelly, uh, Mike Denbrock, Joe Sloan, and Jaden Daniels. It's the most remarkable turnaround I've ever seen at that position so quickly. Yeah, and and look, you got to give Joe Sloan a lot of credit here. I mean, he spends the most time with Jaden Daniels. And like you mentioned, Jordy, the simple fact he's not turning the football over, you know, when he made that long run, uh, when he busted through the middle, I'm, I was screaming. I was screaming, hold this, hold on to the football, hold on to the football. And then as soon as I'm thinking that, he's putting two arms around the football. He's just a, he's the best runner of the football at quarterback that we've ever seen at LSU, ever. No question. No question, no doubt. And because of that ability, you got a shot in every game you play. I really believe that. Even against a Georgia. Um, Tennessee, that was just, I'd love to play them again. I really would. Because I think we'd figure out what 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 to do there because of the coach that we have, and, and the best thing I heard all day today, somebody asked him, uh, Brian Kelly, uh, is this a trap game? And he said, I really don't believe in those. If you prepare your team, blah blah blah. And he just he he just gets it. He under and he he has this calming factor about him that that I haven't had since you know who who we just beat on Saturday. It's just a calming. I feel like, yeah, okay, and look, like we got the best coach. Game, how you mentally prepare during the week. And he's so right with that, right? So, and, and look, you can't, you can't, you know, be, you, you, this can't be the end-all, be-all. You got to go out there and execute on Saturday and beat Arkansas. 
And if you beat Arkansas, you know, you got it. You just have to execute. So if they do that, they'll win the football game. But it's an early kickoff. It's on the road. It's going to be cold. So, look, you just got to be focused and lock in. And if they do that, excuse me, they're going to win. Too much to play for. I don't I don't expect any type of a letdown. It's going to be a completely different environment. There's no question about that. Um, but I like I like because of the coaches that we have. I really do. Uh, LSU was number moved up to number seven in the AP poll. Tomorrow we'll find out where they are in the college football playoff poll, in which they started out at number 10. So you had Tennessee losing. You had Clemson losing. You had Alabama losing. I guess the big question is, what does the committee feel about LSU as compared to one loss USC and one loss Oregon? That will dictate how far they move up, in my opinion. I think that they should be ahead of Oregon because, in my opinion, or USC, because USC struggled with Cal, and I get that they only had one loss, but that one loss comes to a very flawed Florida team. So, Jordy, quite honestly, I think that LSU deserves, because of what they've done – They've beaten two top ten teams in the last two weeks when they were ranked. You yeah. have there's nothing that those teams, that Oregon or USC or, or really even TCU for that matter, you know, they're not going to go above TCU. But nope. there's nothing that they, that any of those teams outside of TCU in the top four has done that's more impressive than LSU. But uh, Sunday we do our poll. I had LSU at six. I think that you have to put them there because they're going they're you know in the SEC West uh, uh, championship race and lead it. I think for sure they'll move up at least two spots because I think Clemson's going to pummel because they hadn't played anybody and they got run out the building against Notre Dame and Alabama lost head up to LSU. So that's that's two people that are going to drop below you. Again, it all depends on what that committee feels about Oregon and USC that will determine just how far LSU moves up. And then, you know, you take care of your business. You're not going to move up that much unless other teams lose ahead of you because of the level of the competition that you're playing, albeit SEC teams and albeit on the road. But Arkansas is not having the season they are. And A&M certainly not having their season. So then you get to the SEC championship game, knock on wood. Then you get a chance against Georgia. And, and with this running quarterback, I'm telling you, he's a better runner than Hendon Hooker. There's no doubt about that. Oh, um, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And, and really and truthfully, I think that Jared, uh, I mean, Jared, Josh Williams is doing things in the running game his own self that's making you elite in the running game. George, yep. they, are elite, they are an elite running football team the last three weeks. Funniest Ever thing I heard before, the whole They've time. been an elite fo- running football team. So you get JD5 on the outside, watch out. Funniest thing I heard, I took my daughters and one of my daughter's friends. So I had three young young ladies with me. They had a ball. The funniest thing I heard the whole night, every time LSU, every time Alabama went back to punt, and every time they punted the ball, all you heard, everybody in a little whisper, just catch the ball. Please catch the ball. Please catch the ball. That's all. <laughs> not, not let's run it back. Let's not make a move and just catch the ball, please. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and look, you know, there's one guy we've gone in this for a little while now. You gotta give a hat tip of the cat to Mason Taylor too, Jordy. I mean, what the, the oh, how stud. where he's come from. He's I mean, you know, in, in the post game interview, he said, "When I heard the play call, my stomach dropped, but I knew just don't drop the ball and I'm going to score." So, I mean, he's just been fantastic as well, and, look, and I, I think that they they could really do it. And look, it, it goes to show you yet again. Look how much Emory Jones has improved. Look how much Harold Perkins 
to the point where he played twice as many plays Saturday as he had in any other game prior to it. And look at the development of Mason Taylor. They're getting coached up week after day after day, week after week, and they're developing and they're getting better. That's all I need to see. That tells me what kind of coaches we've got. Yeah, and, and look, Jordy, if he get, if Brian Kelly does get to ten wins, he's going to be a candidate for coach of the year, and it's going to be well deserved. I know that Josh Heupel is still out there, but if you win the West and find a way to win the the SEC, he's going to be a coach of the year. And credit to him. I mean, he's been so so darn impressive. Uh, you worried about Arkansas? They got that big quarterback, but I mean, look, I know they lost to Liberty, but Liberty beats people. They've only got one loss all year long, and that was a close, close, close one on the road against Wake Forest. So nothing to sneeze about, and this is for the boot. And Arcan- that means an awful lot to those Razorback people. Um, so maybe LSU's catching a break by playing this thing at 11. Uh, no, I don't worry about him. K.J. Jefferson's pretty banged up. You know, Sam Pittman talks about today. We'll see, they'll see how he goes through the week. There's some chatter out there, Jordy. He might not play, and if he doesn't play, then no. I mean, if LSU finds a way to lose to Arkansas, if K.J. Jefferson isn't playing – as much as we celebrated this week and Saturday night will be just as big as a, of a letdown Saturday and the following week. <laughs> You're right. Um, well, I hope Jaden Daniels comes back for another year. What do you think? If he comes back for another year, they can win a natty. I know. That's so exactly I mean, if I he comes, he comes back, back, you know, <laughs> thank God for NIL. Cause if you can convince that young man to come back, then, and, Jordy, what's crazy is he doesn't want that. That's the great thing about him. He might just come back on his own merit and want to win a natty. But if he can come back, I mean, they're only going to get better. I mean, the, the only thing yeah. you really lose offensively would be, I mean, technically would probably be Kayshawn. Jordy, everybody right. else is going to return out. I mean, Dre Jenkins, yeah, I get it. But the whole I mean, offensive he, line is hit, back. either hit or miss and gain. I mean, you're just going to be so much better. And then defensively, you got a lot of studs coming in. I mean, they can. They, that, they'd be Mason really Smith dangerous comes back. If he returns. You got you get your stud up front on the defensive line. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, just need that. Just need that one important piece, who is the absolute difference maker on this club, and that's Jaden Daniels, who should be mentioned in the Heisman Trophy race. He really should. His Agreed. numbers match up to anybody else's. Anybody. Yeah, I fully agree. He deserves to be in there. Now, will he get to New York? I don't know, but he definitely deserves a, uh, just mention, deserves a spot. Just, yeah, just mention his name in there. That's right. Don't let him go to New York. That'll give more incentive to come back and maybe win that thing next year. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to plant a seed here, Blake. I'm trying to plant. You getting any <laughs> sleep, big guy? I'm with you. I don't disagree at all. You getting any sleep with that little newborn? No, I do not. <laughs> not at all. In, been there, done that. This too shall pass, as they say. This too shall pass. Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Thank you. That was uh, that was one for the ages, buddy. I appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks, Shorty. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. You got it. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap this all up on this Monday edition of the Jordy Heltberg Show. This is Saints. Great. Uh, 55 minutes after the hours, we wrap things up. Special thanks to our guest, Chris Dunnels, on the Saints versus the Ravens tonight. Glenn West recapping the great win for LSU over Bama. Gerald Broussard, the tough loss for the Cajuns against Troy. Jim Gazzolo 
The Cowboys get a double-digit win over Eastern Illinois and Blake Rafino talking more LSU. I've got, I've got to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of you that came up to me um, as we were walking around Tiger Stadium. I had my girls with me. I, I was stunned. I was shocked at how many people, hey, Jordy, 1037, 1041. Um, if there was one, there were more than 100, honestly. So um, it makes it all the more worthwhile that we sit in these seats and we share our opinions and thoughts with you and that you listen and you either agree or disagree with my opinion or whatever. But the fact that you came up and said, uh, said the nice things that you did, I greatly appreciate that. It was very, very humbling. Um, what a night it was. My gosh. Now LSU has to get the old blinders on like they do at the Breeders' Cup, and they got to just focus in on one thing. There's so much at stake here, so much at stake, and who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Nobody. Nobody. But they are. They've worked hard. They've gotten to this point. Now can they, can they ride success and keep it going? Keep it going. That will be the key. Tomorrow we'll recap uh, the Saints and the Ravens with Bob Rose from the Saints News Network. We'll go around the SEC with everything going on. We'll know we'll get some predictions on the uh, college football playoff committee poll. Where's LSU going to be? They're not going to be 10. They're moving up. Just how far will they move up? What does the committee think about LSU's schedule, their wins as compared to USC and Oregon? That's the key. Clemson's going to drop. They're going to drop. Um, question, how far does Tennessee drop? We shall see. Um, thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners who make it possible. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty. Uh, stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Go Saints. Talk tomorrow.